Welcome to this edition of our Six Questions podcast. I'm Trent England, the Founder and Executive Director of Save Our States. Really glad to be joined by a fellow Oklahoman, Representative Chad Caldwell, who represents an area, uh, for those outside of Oklahoma, it's an area north of Oklahoma City. Um, uh, it's uh, in and around Enid, Oklahoma. Um, Representative Caldwell, this isn't really one of the questions, but but share with, with folks just a little bit about your, your district. Uh, obviously, most of our, our viewers and listeners are outside of the state of Oklahoma, and they deserve to know what a beautiful uh, part of the country you represent. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. But uh, yeah, so Enid, uh, Enid's about an hour and a half or so um, north of Oklahoma City. Uh, it's about two hours due west um, of Tulsa. So uh, Enid's the ninth largest city in Oklahoma, about 50,000 or so people. Um, we are not really rural. We're not really urban. So I consider Enid Rubin. Um, we're kind of right... Uh, Kind of right in between those two. So uh, Enid is a great place. I grew up just outside of Denver. Um, so Enid um, is kind of my adopted hometown. Um, but it's it's a great place. It's a great place to raise a family. Um, really blessed to be able to uh, be in a place where um, it had, it's small enough to have that really small town feel where you can feel like your kids can walk to school and you can leave your front door open, um, but also big enough that has really most of everything everything that you need. Yeah, great. A great part of the world. So let's jump right into it. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, we invited you on Six Questions podcast, you're a great champion of the Electoral College and our constitutional design for presidential elections. Specifically for Oklahoma, what would it mean if we moved away from that system to something like a, a national popular vote? Well, I think it would be extremely problematic for Oklahoma. I mean, I, I guess I, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but disastrous. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it would really make Oklahoma completely inconsequential um, in the national uh, perspective. We we are not a huge population base, um, although we're growing in population, certainly. Um, but, um, y- you know, the, the reality is, and what's I think so great about the, um, about the electoral college, of course, is that it really, um, forces people to come together. So it's not just one particular group or one particular, um, geographic region or any particular issues. Um, and so for Oklahoma, um, we are, um, in what, you know, uh, some people like to consider flyover country. We're right here in the middle of the United States. Um, but we've got a lot of really great people out here. That's what I think, um, um, like I said, not being a native Oklahoman, one of the things that impresses me so much about the people of Oklahoma, they are just the most kind um, people that I think you'll ever meet, um, hardworking, good-natured people. And something like the national popular vote would, I think, totally take their vote um, and, and eventually really make it worthless. So, Representative Caldwell, you have sponsored a House joint resolution, which is a a state constitutional amendment in this case, that would protect Oklahoma, at least, from ever being a party to this national popular vote compact. Tell folks about about that. How does that work? Well, so, yeah. So to me, obviously, this is an issue that I care a lot about. I think um, it's one of the smartest things I think our founders did. They I mean, they were so... um, they were so far ahead of the game in their thinking, I think, and really just were um, able to foresee um, the future. That's one of the things that I don't think politicians always do very, very good at, uh, or very, um, not always very good at, is thinking uh, maybe not just in the next year or two, but but really down the road. And that's something our founding fathers did such a good job 
about. So um, for me, I do want to enshrine it in the Oklahoma Constitution that we are not going to be part uh, of this um, of this scheme to um, to really diminish the votes of the people of Oklahoma. So uh, essentially, what it would mean is that. Um, our votes, you would have to be a bona fide citizen of the state of Oklahoma um, for for that um, to count. And, and only the votes um, of Oklahomans can determine where our electoral college votes uh, votes go in the future. Yeah, I, I love it because I think it just drives this debate to the common sense, which is only the votes of people in Oklahoma should determine where the electoral votes for the state of Oklahoma go, right? And uh, I mean, I think it, it just forces this debate into a place that helps people understand why the Electoral College makes sense and why this National Popular Vote Compact is such a bad idea. Um, Next question, shifting just a little bit, another area that I know is really important to you is education policy, education reform. Uh, I mean, why do you see that as being such a critical area of public policy? You know, even in a state like Oklahoma, where I think, you know, people probably feel like, uh, you know, we don't have some of the problems, at least, that you see in some of the big cities on the coast, maybe. Uh, but but you're really a champion for education reform. So talk about that. Well, to me, education is the most important thing our state does. Um, it, it truly has the ability and the power to change people's lives. And if you want to talk about health outcomes, it goes back to education. If you want to talk about incarceration rates, it goes back to education. You want to talk about your economy, it goes back to education. Really everything, I think education is really the center of all of that. Um, And so it's the hub, I think, of what we do. And so for me, since it's so important, um, we need to ensure that we are continuing to improve, evolve, and continuing to make make it better. that's something that I think is not just an Oklahoma problem. Um, it's a problem across every state um, that we need to continue to work and improve. Um, just to, to ensure, um, I, one of the things that, I, that you know that we're talking about a lot here in Oklahoma is the, this idea of choice and the idea of, of empowering parents um, to decide, many for the first time really, um, to, to empower them to have the decision to pick a school that really um, best fits the needs of their of their child. Um, something um, that I think seems to make very, it's very common sense um, about putting parents instead of some bureaucrat who's never met your kids, um, letting them decide. And, and so, um, you know, it's a, it's a divisive topic. Unfortunately, I don't think it should be. I think it's become way too um, politicized. I think you have people who are wanting to protect their territory. Um, and, you know, I just, I guess it frustrates me um, if everybody would just get together and focus on what's best for the kids rather than worrying about what's best for the adults in our schools. Um, I think we could come together and figure out a policy a lot quicker. So, um, you know, to me, like I said, there cannot be a better topic to be passionate about than education um, just because it drives so much of, of what we do as a state. Makes sense to me. I'm Trent England talking with Representative Chad Caldwell of Enid, Oklahoma, here on our Six Questions podcast. Question number four, uh, shifting a little bit away from public policy and and more to your your own personal life and experience, you're the executive director of a hospice organization. This is something I I find fascinating. A lot of people don't want to think about it, but you're right there at, you know, a really critical point in in, Mm -hmm. the family lives and relations um, what's what's that like, and, and why have you devoted so much of your life to something that a lot of people really want to turn their their gaze away from to the extent that they can? 
Well, uh, you, you said it. It is such um, we are able to to be a part of someone's life at such an important time uh, at, at their life, um, at the end of their life um, with hospice. Uh, you're right. It's something that people don't want to think about. Um, I get approached all the time, somewhat sheepishly by people, and they say, hey, don't take this the wrong way, but we hope we never have to use your organization. And I smile and nod and I say, well, don't take this the wrong way either, but I don't really want to use our organization either. Um, Nobody really ever goes, wow, I I hope one day I get to be on hospice. Um, We all, of course, would want to be totally healthy right up until the day that we pass away and we go to sleep and we never wake up. I think that's everybody's dream. But for most people, that's not the reality. And hospice is one of those things um, that while you may never want it, you're really happy um, that it's there when you need it. Um, And and so, um, and and I think one of the best parts about hospice, we obviously do a great job of caring for the patient themselves, um, but it truly is oftentimes the family members that end up um, benefiting the most because um, with hospice, we're not focusing on the quantity of days, we're focusing on the quality of days and making sure that you have loved ones that are able to be together um, at, at like I said, such an incredibly important time um, in someone's life. Um, so um, the stories, the most rewarding things that I hear, and I have a great job because I get to take credit for all of the hard and um, hard work and incredible work that my staff does. Um, but when somebody comes up to me and tells me just how much um, our nurses and our aides meant to them when their mom or dad or husband or wife or brother or sister um, passed away. So um, it's just, it's truly an amazing thing. Yeah. Okay. Question number five of our six questions. Uh, You have moved to Oklahoma and chosen to raise your family here. I've moved here as well. And I think we've we've seen a lot of people making that choice over the last couple of decades, the last few years, even. What do you think is driving that? Uh, This interest in Oklahoma and places like Oklahoma, uh, you know, we, we really seem to be winning this, you know, the the competition among the the states, not just Oklahoma, but I think a lot of other places like Oklahoma. um, What what do you see as as driving that for, you know, particularly, I guess, for for our home state? Well, I mean, I think simply it's um, freedom and liberty, I I think. I mean, not to just make it too um, simple, I guess. But, um, you know, I think as you see um, people told in other parts of the states or other parts of the country, um, maybe more how to think and um, how to be. And you have this such top down um, mentality from government trying to control almost every aspect of your life. Um, you look at Oklahoma, I mentioned how great the people are, but they also are, um, they are rugged individuals um, out here. I think that has to do with the history of our states. And uh, so it's a very uh, it's a very conservative state, certainly, but it, and it's also a very welcoming state. Um, I, I think it's um, you know I, I joke sometimes the left is likes to pretend that they are the ultra tolerant um, of the you know of the spectrum. Um, I, I laugh because to me it seems like it's the intolerance of the tolerant, so to speak. Um, you know they don't have a lot of um, patience for other uh, other people's viewpoints, and I think in Oklahoma. Um, you don't find that we are very welcoming of other people's viewpoints. And um, I think we uh, we believe in um, strong, strong values. Um, we believe in hard work. Um, and so I think it's those those type of um, issues are a foundation. Um, but then now, as you see 
um, freedoms and just freedom to operate a business, to open your door um, when you want to as a, as a business owner. Um, our, our governor, Governor Kevin Stitt, um, has done, I think, an incredible job, especially during the pandemic, of ensuring that Oklahomans um, have that right to go out and operate their business the way they see fit and to make those personal choices um, and not to having the government um, get involved one way or the other and just have that that opportunity and that freedom to really operate their business and, and operate their lives how they see fit. So our last question is always the same for uh, folks on, uh, I almost want to say contestants, but guests on the Six Questions <laughs> podcast. Representative Caldwell, who is your favorite founding father and why? That's a tough one. That's not a question I think I've been asked before. Um, There's a lot so of good questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to cheat a little bit and give you two if I can. Uh, one, I'm going to do, do the obvious one and say George Washington. Um, my guess is that's not the first time. If you've asked that every time, I guess is that's not the first time you've heard that answer. Um, uh, you know, Washington, I think he's such an embodiment um, of our country, obviously, and was such an incredible leader. He was um, intelligent. He was a very successful um, man, not only militarily and obviously from government service, but um, in business and in agriculture. Um, just but also, you know, one of the things, unfortunately, that you see in politics a lot is once those that step into power, um, they find that power pretty, um, pretty addictive. And so for him to truly um, value country over um, and what's best for our country over individual power um, and individual gain, I think the fact that he was able to um, to step away from that and just really just those values that I think he had, um, you know, I, I just think, like I said, we're such an embodiment of our country and what it means to be an American. Um, and so my second answer may be a little bit, maybe a little bit more unique, and that's Jefferson. Um, and I say that I, I think Jefferson's, I think I'm not a Jeffersonian scholar by any stretch of imagination, but I think he's also very misunderstood and he's misunderstood because of just how much of his words we have. Um, yeah. I think the thing that I admire about Jefferson, like I said, incredibly intelligent, um, such a strong believer, um, in education, obviously. Um, but you take a look, he was um, very skeptical of big government. Um, he was incredibly optimistic about the future of our country and the promise it had, not only just for Americans, but really um, to share liberty with the rest of the world. Um, you know, I think he was obviously a strong promoter of that individual liberty. Um, but what I think about what I like almost most about Jefferson is he was not dogmatic. And I think that's where some of the con the confusion comes in is uh, you look at, I, I take his relationship with, um, with John Adams. And, and I think um, they started out as, as friends, um, became political rivals. And after Jefferson defeated Adams um, for the presidency, um, they became kind of political enemies in, in a long way. And last, that lasted for over a decade. Um, but um, we're able to put those differences aside. Um, and of course, the, the wonderful historical story or coincidence is of course that um, both Adams and Jefferson pass away on the same day, uh, July 4th, um, with Adams saying, well, at least Jefferson survives, um, but Jefferson had actually passed away a few hours earlier. But to me, that's, that's really an example of, I think, how we're supposed to be. Um, is to be able to, to work with people who don't always agree with us, to have convictions um, and to hold strongly to our ideals, but not to the point where that um, we are so dogmatic that it, it renders us um, incapable of, of bigger and better things. And I think that's what Jefferson was really um, able to do. And that's why he was so successful as a president.
great, uh, great, great answer, great explanation of the answer. I, I think that's, uh, I think that's absolutely right. Jefferson, Jefferson's the victim of being, you know, being someone who had a lot of thoughts and wrote them all down. And so it's easy for mm-hmm. folks to go back and pick that apart, but uh, right. they sort of miss the, the forest for the trees. Representative Chad Caldwell, thank you so much for your leadership in the state of Oklahoma. Thank you for your leadership in our country defending the Electoral College and for being a part of Six Questions today. Well, thank you so much, Trent. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.